All right. Well, good morning. We're looking in the Word of God today in the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you want to open along with me, feel free to do that right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Just to tell you a little background of this, um, this book, uh, one theologian described 1 and 2 Corinthians as a sim- city very similar to California. He said you could very rightly call this um, book First and Second Californians because it's a city filled with business, um, sex, sports. It's just a bustling city with all types of things going on. And Paul settled this little church there, the church of Corinth that we know of today. And this beautiful little church that ended up flourishing in this community, in this big city, ended up struggling. And just to get an idea of what the dynamic was like between Paul and his Corinthian church, I'm just going to set up to you like this with a paraphrase. This is what, maybe what a phone call would have sounded like with Paul speaking to the church of 2 Corinthians. Yes, hello, put me through to uh, Corinth. Yeah, 2 Corinth, please. Yes, Paul. Uh-huh. Well, if you haven't changed your ways by the time I get there, look out. You've been demanding proof that Christ speaks through me will get more than you bargained for. You'll get the full force of Christ. Don't think that you won't. See, he was sheer weakness and humiliation when he was killed on the cross. But oh, he's alive now in the mighty power of God. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. Oh, we weren't much to look at either when we were humiliated among you. But when we deal with you this next time, we'll be alive in Christ, strengthened by God. So test yourselves and make sure that you're solid in the faith. Click. This is just a simple paraphrase. comes from the message translation of the Bible. And you can feel the intense dynamic between the Corinth church and Paul. Paul planted this baby church, and now they're saying, hold on, we don't know about you. This was Paul's most intimate and personal letter that we're getting into. But this is the powerful thing. It's in this context with this heated debate that Paul gives one of his most beautiful benedictions in all of scriptures. It's the only Trinitarian benediction that Paul gives. And it comes here right at the end, the very last verses of 2 Corinthians 13. So what is benediction? We're in a series right now, if you're newer here. A benediction is a good word that's spoken over you. And the good word that Paul has to say to this disobedient group of people in Corinth is this. God has grace for you. God has love for you. And God has fellowship for you. Let's pray, please. Heavenly Father, we just invite your presence in the room this morning. Would you remind us of the sweetness of the fundamentals of the faith that you've given us? Would you please speak through your word, speak through me, me in clarity and in power. Open our hearts. Open our hearts to relationship with you and to be changed by you. 
May you even change those who we go home to, maybe those who didn't hear this message, as we live out the fundamentals of the faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here Paul says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's his word to this disobedient group of people living in Corinth. Kevin and his aging uncle were where they usually were on the evening in New Jersey, Bloomfield, New Jersey. They were on the basketball court. It was a cold night. Kevin went out to play, and his uncle sat back watching admiringly. And he's watching the guys. I mean, there's more trash talk than you can imagine. There's a couple hilarious moments with guys tripping and falling. Then out of nowhere, we see one of the players gets hurt. It's a sprained ankle. And it opens this door for this hilarious episode where Kevin turns to his aging uncle and says, Hey, Unc, will you come out and play with us? And his uncle, sitting on the bench, says, Oh, man, I guess I could play one more game and teach these young boys the fundamentals of the game. So he limps out there, and he begins to play. He catches the ball, and he's passing. He's making some shots of, oops, there's an air ball there. He hasn't played for quite a while, and gets it again, passes the passes a little off, and the guys are looking. You should see the look on these, these players' faces, like, who is this old man, and what is he doing on the basketball court? But eventually, his joints start to... Um, get limber again and he and the synovial fluids cover the kneecaps and the elbows and and Ankh begins to move a little bit more fluid and he gets a pass and crosses the guy up and goes in for a layup and the men are like hold on was that a fluke but no uncle drew is just getting warmed up next thing you know uncle drew is crossing two guys taking two at a time he goes up throws the ball off the backboard and dunks it and he's looking down with his gray head at these young men in their fancy shoes, and he says, you got to know the fundamentals of the game. You see, in reality, this player, this Uncle Buck, was one of the NBA's all-stars, Kyrie Irving. And he was put in a mask and makeup and gray hair and a chubby belly, and he went on the court, and these guys thought, who is this? Well, that was one of the NBA's all-stars, Kyrie Irving. So in this uh, funny illustration, we have to remember this, that sometimes greatness is veiled. And the only way you can detect where greatness really is is by looking for the fundamentals. See, if you would have watched closely, this old man with the gray head had perfect shooting fundamentals down. His passes were perfect. His dribbling was sharp and concise. He had the fundamentals down. And the men he was playing against, uh, I think they thought that they could move beyond the fundamentals and go straight to NBA All-Star without all the practice and without all the fundamentals down pat. So this is the reality. Isn't this the reality with all of us? We often try to move beyond the fundamentals. Okay, I got the basics now. Now give me the good stuff. Give me the big stuff. 
The big stuff is the fundamentals. The grace of the Lord Jesus. The love of God the Father. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing better than that in Christianity. It's grace, love, and fellowship. I read this in a devotion just a couple weeks ago, and I just felt encapsulated by the love of God. You see, Tyson, every morning you wake up, there's grace for you. That means you're forgiven. And you're not just forgiven, you're loved. And you're not just loved, there's a friendship, there's fellowship for you. You're encapsulated by the fundamentals of the faith. So I put this before you as our main point today. Since grace, love, and fellowship are the fundamentals of our faith, we must never try to move beyond them. Stay grounded in these most basic elements of our faith. We must seek them and enjoy them. Not just merely know about them, but we must seek after these. God, I want to know more about this grace. I want to know more about this love. Is this love really experiential, or is it just something I'm supposed to know and just trudge through life with? Is there real fellowship? Is there a real sense of a person walking with me through my darkest moments? Oh God, I want to know. So as we go through this passage today, I'm going to just focus on these three points. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So first of all, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at this passage once again, you'll see Paul lays out the Trinity so beautifully and clearly. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's the Trinity right there. And Paul is not setting up a formula. And if you notice, you look at that passage, you say, it sounds a little different than I usually hear the Trinity. I mean, we're used to singing at the end of service, praise God from whom all blessings flow. We finish with praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But Paul says, Jesus, God, and Holy Ghost. What's going on with that? So the point is, Paul is saying, this is not just merely a formula. This is how you meet, this is how you experience Christ. This is how you experience God. It's through grace. Jesus Christ came and gave grace. It's the only way you get to the love of God the Father. It's through Jesus Christ. Big brother came and died for you. He made a way for you. What is this grace? I love this. And if, we, if you meditate on this in the morning, it'll change your life. It's the sheer mercy of God. It's just sheer mercy. You wake up in the morning and you say, I am forgiven of all my sins today. And I'm accepted as righteous in God's sight today. Only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to me and received by faith alone. It's sheer grace. It's sheer mercy. And this grace, uh, Paul describes the grace. I think he's trying to point us back. He wants us to unforget what grace is all about. Some of us have been Christians for decades. Some of us for five years. And we're already getting a little bit familiar with this grace thing. But Paul's saying, let's get back to the fundamentals. What is grace? Do you remember that moment when you first experienced amazing grace? 
I can remember being released from this. Uh, I was in this terrible relationship and, and coming out of it and sensing a newness and a closeness with God as God drew me to himself in those years. I remember just being in a worship service and just praising God and feeling so joyful that I was no longer in that relationship any longer. Although there's so much pleasure involved in that relationship, I was so glad to be free. I felt free. My, my youngest son, Isaiah, when we... Uh, when we're traveling, we often try to put him in a uh, pack and play, which he calls a baby cage. And, uh, you know, no matter how many toys you put in the baby cage, he realizes this is the baby cage, and I don't want to be in this. And that's what some of our lives were. They were baby cages. And yeah, I have pleasure. What, where do I need to go? I guess as long as you don't mind living in a baby cage and you got your toys and you're okay. But some of us in here have encountered what God's grace is all about. He takes you out of the baby cage with all your toys, and he gives you pleasures forevermore. The psalmist says, in the right hand of the Lord are pleasures forevermore. So you don't have to long to get back in that cage. God has more for you. Guess who invented every pleasure on earth? Guess who invented the body that's capable of receiving and experiencing joy and pleasure. God has more for you. So let's leave our baby cages and remember, remember the God of grace who set us free from our baby cages. There was this uh, young man who had quite a large sum of debt. You see, he went to college and uh, when he came out, he was, uh, he was ambitious to get a job, but he had this looming debt over his head. And the more he tried, he tried to take business risks and ventures. But the more he tried, the more he failed because businesses don't often launch on the first attempt. And he had this huge, massive debt over him. And eventually he's like, okay, I need to, I need to do something. This is drowning me. And he seeks out all of his debt collectors, he writes, he writes some letters, will you please forgive me? Will you please forgive me of these debts? And they're like, you're crazy. That's too much money. That's too much of a loss. And eventually he goes to his bank and he says, hey, I need help. Can you get me out of this? I declare bankruptcy. And he declared bankruptcy. And guess what? He was forgiven all of his debts. He felt so great and so free and then um, the next week he's feeling really happy with himself, feels good, he gets in his car and not a care in the world and he sees an old buddy who owes him $50 and he drives up to him, hey man, what's up with the $50 you owe me? And the guy says, I'm so sorry, I don't have it right now, will you please give me mercy, give me a chance, I just need a, I'm, I'm just getting ahead on my job and I think I could save it up if you just give me a week or two. And he says, a week or two? Bro, you owe me right now. Give me your bike. He took the man's bike. He had forgotten the grace that was given to him. And this is where we go. This is where we go. When we forget the grace that has been given to us. You see, we can't live in the grace of God. We can't demonstrate the grace of God until we are imbibing the grace of God. Remembering where we came from, I was forgiven a massive debt. And now it's my pleasure 
It's my pleasure to forgive you this small debt in comparison that you owe me. This Corinthian church had forgotten the fundamentals of grace, and they were demanding, and they were looking for prosperity, a prosperity gospel. They were looking for another Jesus, Paul describes. But they've forgotten the sheer mercy that has been lavished on them. So church, how about, how about us? Look, look, look at yourself today. Are you remembering the grace of God that has been lavished on you? Are you remembering the sheer mercy that you're receiving, a recipient of right now? You see this church try to go beyond the fundamentals of the faith. So who are the people that you like to spend time with? It's these people who realize that they have, they have grace actively at work in their lives. Who, do you, who, who becomes your best friends? Is it the, the people who look perfect on Instagram or is it the one who has a mess of a story and they say, but I love you and I can accept you because God's accepted me. I know a, a man who's been through so much and guess he's the most delightful person to be around because when he sees your mess, he's not surprised, he's not shocked and he's not turned off by it because he remembers, oh man, I come from a mess too. And it's only by the grace of God that I stand here today. So we can't forget the fundamentals of grace and sheer mercy. It may not look spectacular. It may look like an old man on a basketball court, but it's the fundamentals of our faith, the grace to show grace to another, to receive the grace of God. We can't give the grace of God to someone else until we're living in it. I'm forgiven of all my sins today. I can forgive you. I can forgive the people in my own household. I can forgive those who have harmed me because I'm a recipient of grace myself. There's a woman who speaks about this. She grew up in a, in a household that she wasn't proud to come from. She had a rough relationship with her mother. And this is what she says of her, uh, of her story. As odd as it may sound, the kinder I am to my mother who failed, the more I can let my daughters and daughter-in-law uh, mother me through the care of their children. By tilling the soil of our lives, giving grace digs up the dirt to allow new seed to be sown and old ground to become young again. So the fundamentals of the faith, we can never forget the grace that Jesus Christ has lavished on us. When we came into faith, a fire hose was turned on and an unlimited supply of forgiveness follows you like a banner over your head everywhere you go forgiven forgiven i don't care what you've done you're forgiven you're forgiven second fundamental we're going to look at today is the love of god the love of god the father so how do we get to the love of god the father it's only through jesus christ jesus christ's death invites us to God the Father. And God the Father is loving. You see, you can only experience grace. Excuse me, you can only experience God's love once you have been introduced to God's grace. So, 
We can have grace in our lives. We can have grace in our lives and yet be disconnected from love. I mean, imagine this. A judge can say, innocent, pardoned of all your sins, but that doesn't mean he's going to write your name down on his calendar and call you every birthday and say, hey, how you doing? No, he just gave you a very merciful uh, decision in the court. But the the fundamentals of the faith call us to grace and love. God has not only just forgiveness, he actually loves you. See, Jesus went to this prison system called Mount Calvary. He went up and he was nailed to the cross. And he said, let him go. Do everything to me that you were going to do to him. And we're walking away scot-free. And there's this, this poor old soul on the cross back here. And we're walking off scot-free. But what we didn't realize is a big brother gave us this book before he left. And inside it, we open it up and we're feeling the, the emptiness of just being alone now, although we're forgiven. And, and we see there's an address in that book. And so we follow that address, we type it in to Google Maps, and it takes us to Paradise Valley. Okay, I've never been there before. And we knock on this big red door, and the door opens, and the love of the Father comes out to you, and he says, you know what? You're not just forgiven. I want you to come and live with me. I love you. Giving you all of the love that I have saved up for my son, and I'm putting it on you. I love you. Come on in. You're part of the family now. You're not just forgiven. You're loved, and you're accepted. So the love of God the Father is brought in by the grace of Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, there's another story. This woman who was a single mother, she had three children of her own, and she was broke. And she can recall the day that uh, her link card got refilled. Her government money got refilled on her card, and she's taking the kids to Trader Joe's, and she's telling them all the things that she's going to get them. And the kids are so excited. They're cheering in the car. Yay, I want, can I get pirate booty? Can I get Cheerios? And they're like, I'm going to get you whatever you want. And she goes in there. She goes into Trader Joe's and just fills up cart after cart. And they pile up in a little procession. The kids are pushing cards. Mom's pushing cards. And everybody is excited. She gets to the checkout and uh, swipes the card. And, oh, no, the money didn't come through. And there she is standing, humiliated. What are we doing? Where's our pirate booty? She's like, come on, just come with me. Let's go. They go outside. The car's dead. They're stuck there and humiliated. And this woman realizes the same thing that our first gentleman learned. I'm completely broke. I need to go to the bank. I need to defile bankruptcy. I need some kind of help. And she goes to the banker and says, here's my situation. I'm doing everything again. I'm, I'm, I'm working two jobs. I can't make enough to make ends meet. Can you please help me? And the banker looks at her smug and detached and looks down at this computer and says, I just don't know, ma'am. So will you please, please, please find a way to help me. I have nowhere else to go. I have no husband. I'm doing everything I can. And he, he types a little more, looks up at her, 
keeps typing again. Typing goes on for quite a long time. She's wringing her hands, wondering what's going to happen to me. Eventually he looks up, pushes himself back in his rolling chair and says, all right, ma'am, your debt's gone. And she stands up in utter shock. Her mouth drops open and she begins walking out feeling the freedom of all of her debts being canceled. But she knows two things as she's leaving that bank, like, my debts are completely gone, and that banker never wants to see my face again. As she goes to open the door of her car, a young woman runs out and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, ma'am, is your name? Say, yes, yes it is, well, Come in here. I need to talk to you. You see, the president of the bank had just done a genealogy test. He got the mouth swab and everything and found out that you are related to his brother. And he wants you to come back in. He wants to talk to you. And he, his whole demeanor was changed. He said, hey, I'm so glad that I found you. I've been looking for you for years. I heard that I had another relative out there. And he says, would you please, would you please accept an invitation to my house? As a matter of fact, I want to open up an account for you. It's going to have $3 million in it. You can use it whenever you want to. As a matter of fact, will you come in later because I want to get a mural painted of you and we're going to put you up on the wall in this bank. You're going to be our esteemed member here at this bank. The love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ invites us into the love of God. So we're not just forgiven. The fundamental of the faith is that we're also loved. Loved by the Father. How do you experience this? You experience, are you seeking the experience of the love of God? Well, once again, we just look back to the grace and remember that we're not only justified, but we're accepted. Maybe you know you're forgiven, but do you know that you're really loved? How can we experience this? I think fundamentals, once again, you experience the love of God through prayer, talking to God. How many relationships do you have that you actually feel a close bond with a person without speaking to them? You read the word of God, which are the promises of God, which say, I don't care what you've done, I forgive you. He looks at the woman in the scriptures who, who've committed all kinds of sins, and he tells all the men around her who are waiting to condemn her, he says, whoever's not sinned, cast the first stone. Like, look back to the love story and remember the love that God has for you. He sent his only son to die for you. Greater love has no man than this than he laid down his life for his friends. There's a love relationship. I remember one time, just a, a season of just uh, talking to God and praying where I felt the love of God profoundly. I remember one night, it was actually the night before Christmas, and I felt like God said, ask me for a present. And I said, okay. So God, what do I want? I want to ask wisely because I've seen all those genie uh, scenarios. Okay, so I, I thought about it and I ended up praying, God, I want to be thankful. I want to be thankful. Teach me how to be thankful. And we were actually in Arizona. I didn't live here at the time. Uh, we were in Arizona visiting a family. And the next day, I, uh, we were celebrating Christmas with that family. I didn't expect to get anything but the the matriarch of that family walks up and hands me a little package, and I open it up, and it's a book, and it says, Tyson's 
book of thanksgiving. And I open it up and look, and all the pages are empty, and it says, I want you to write something you're thankful for. Fill a page out and write something you're thankful for every day this year. And I thought, oh my God, you love me. You love me. And I did that. I wrote his thanksgiving for, I found something to ask thanks for on my good days and my bad days, and I wrote it down in that book. And lo and behold, guess when I met Emily? At the end of that year, you can, you can see my journaling as I meet her and say, thank you for this young lady that you put in my life. And, oh, okay, thank you very much, Lord. My thanks just kind of grew and grew. And, and, uh, but that was a time I can profoundly remember experiencing the love of God. Like That's what the Psalms and the historical books, they write down the accounts of God, how God's been faithful. Maybe take some time this week to journal and write down, this is where the Lord's been faithful to me. This is what he's done. Thank you, God. Thank you experience the love of God. Don't just wait for it to hit you. Engage God. Engage his word. Engage him in prayer. Have a conversation. Our last point today is this, the fundamentals of the faith, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit this is an exciting, an exciting one for me. I grew up in a charismatic church, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is all we ever talked about. First of all, let's think of this. Imagine a house that you grew up in, and you experience love and grace on a regular basis. But this is the only problem, that dad was always off on business. So you experience love and grace, but you rarely had that fellowship what do you really want what does that child really want does does he or she want another gift from thailand or from beijing or paris they want the fellowship of the father they want the fellowship of that dad and in this benediction paul says there's not just grace and love but there's also fellowship in christ jesus it's just one of the fundamentals i want to be with you as well the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There's a Chinese pastor who once came to America and he looked at this, these booming churches and he said, it's amazing what your churches are able to accomplish without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and this passage points us to the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Knowing God is, is more than just knowing that we're forgiven and that we're loved in Christ Jesus, but there's actually a relational component. Notice that God is Trinity, is a relational unit. Humanity is beautiful because of relationships. I read a counseling book one time, and the counselor said that it's through friendships that the Holy Spirit often flows. So we need relationship with the Holy Spirit, and this is a promise that's been fulfilled uh, from the Old Testament. The prophets speak of there's going to be a new dynamic where we're not just going to follow and obey laws that we know are true, but there's going to be an opening up of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 31, 31 speaks of this outpouring of the Spirit. Joel speak, speaks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 44, 3 talks about, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on your sons and daughters. Ezekiel 36, 36 said that I'm going to pour out my Spirit and I'm going to take hard hearts and I'm going to make them soft and I'm going to dwell within you. There's this relational component to knowing Jesus, and it's just one of the fundamentals. God longs for more than just your heads. 
He wants to be in relationship with you. There was a, uh, there was a woman who spoke of uh, experiencing the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And it reminds me a lot of Paul because his accusers thought, and his Corinthian accusers thought, there's no way you're, you're the real deal, Paul, because you go through too much suffering. But it's actually through suffering that the Holy Spirit comes in and engages us in relationship. And this, this woman, Helen Roosevelt, was a British medical missionary to the Democratic Republic of Congo, maybe just the Congo at that time. But I just want to read a, a, a short portion from her, uh, her encounter uh, in Congo. She speaks of a night when there was a rebellion, and uh, she went through some difficult things that night, but this is how she experienced it as a, a believer in Christ. Six soldiers were armed with powerful flashlights. They surrounded me in the house and moved in on me as in on a, a trapped animal. I was struck across the face. My glasses went. My nose was gashed and bleeding. My back teeth were broken. My whole body was bruised. I wasn't praying at that point. I was beyond praying. But someone back home was praying earnestly for me. If I had prayed any prayer at that time, it would have been, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And suddenly, there was God. I didn't see a vision. I didn't hear a voice. I just knew with every ounce of my being that God was actually vitally there. God in all his majesty and power, he stretched out his arms to me and he surrounded me with his love. He seemed to whisper to me, 20 years ago you asked me for the privilege of being my missionary. This is it. Don't you want it? Fantastic the privilege of being identified with our Savior. It was as if he clearly said to me, these are not your sufferings. They're not your beatings. They're not beating you. These are my sufferings. An enormous relief swept through me. And one word became unbelievably clear. The word was privilege. He didn't take away pain or cruelty or humiliation. No, it was all there. But now it was altogether different. It was with him, for him, in him. He was actually offering me the inestimable privilege of sharing in some little way the edge of the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes into the deepest and the darkest places. It's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's who God is in the Trinity. He's someone who goes in with you. If you're in a fight, he jumps in the fray and takes licks with you and for you. That's what the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is. It's not some great feeling that you experience over here. No, the shy sovereign is always comforting, strengthening, empowering, and taking our disheartened faces and lifting them up to look at Jesus Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit's full-time job is giving glory to Jesus Christ. And he does that wherever you go, whatever situation you're in. There's a little adopted girl who got taken out of this 
terrible situation and brought into this house. And it came the first week, and the family noticed a pattern. Whenever it was dinner time, she was gone. The father went to that familiar place that he was finding her and opened the door of her closet in her bedroom, which was her, her safe place. And he looked in there, and there she was playing with her dolls. And he said to her, hey, sweetie, I want you to come out. Come and eat dinner with us. You see, in this household, we don't just protect you and feed you. We love you, and we want to be with you. Matter of fact, this week, I want to take you out on a date. Let's go get some ice cream. Let's spend some time together. And when you're having a bad day, I want you to come and talk to me. My ear is always open. I'm in my study. I'll put my books down. I'll listen to you. I love you. This is what the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is like. The Lord pursuing us, saying, I love you and I want to be with you. I don't just want your name on a list like you're now a Christian. I want you. I love you. I value you. So someone who is utterly alone, literally and figuratively, uh, has no capacity to fellowship, to be a friend that goes into deep and dark places with others. It's only someone who understands the love of God, the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, that can experience the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And when you know God goes with you in your darkest places, you suddenly become equipped and powerful to go into dark places with others. And the Corinthian church lacked that. They had no ability to lift each other up, no ability to carry each other's burdens. And it was because they didn't understand a God who would actually go into the dark places and fellowship with you. So I ask you this today. Do you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Is your walk more than just knowledge of God? Do you experience him speaking to you, listening to you, going into the dark places? He's mysterious. He's called the shy sovereign. But he's here. The whole reason Christ died, actually, to send us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. He left. He was in one body, and he's in heaven now, but now the Holy Spirit spreads out across the whole earth and is available to every believer in your car, in your room, at work, wherever you go, the Holy Spirit is available to you, and his fellowship is crying out, come and fellowship with me. Do you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, or is knowing the gospel just a formula? So how do we experience the Holy Spirit's fellowship? One is just by engaging in friendship, taking a risk and, and asking someone out, spend time together. By, in a small group, maybe confessing, this is what I'm really struggling with. This is where I really am. Everything's not all good. As we remember that the Holy Spirit is with us and that there's grace and there's love over us, we can be more vulnerable with people because our whole life and our whole reputation isn't put on how someone's going to speak of me. I come into the fellowship room. I come into the assembly with a sense of acceptance and love, and I can be real with you now. Those of you that met with me, you, you may know this. When I meet with people, I'm often very transparent with my sin. And, and some may think, how can you 
do that as a pastor. I can, and some warn and say, I don't know if you should do that, but I'm so full of the sense of God's love and forgiveness of me. I'm so full of the sense of my sinfulness, but I'm also so full of the sense of God's love and forgiveness that when I sit down with you, I can tell you my broken places because I'm not looking for you to say, you're okay, Ty. I mean, I struggle with that at times, but I have a sense of God's love for me. The Holy Spirit fellowships with me. And we can invite the Holy Spirit's fellowship by, by being honest with each other, by embracing grace and the love of God. Grace, love, and fellowship. Grace, love, and fellowship. And just finally, Paul, Paul challenges the Corinthians to examine themselves. And I just want to say, some of you may be thinking, well, how do I examine myself? Am I living in the fundamentals? Am I, am I rooted in the fundamentals? And just, just consider this. Um, children don't understand anything but the fundamentals. You can give them treats and toys, but if you're harsh with them, you're not their favorite person. All that children understand is this. Is that big person, is that giant gracious with me? Are they loving to me? Do they fellowship with me? If you want to know how great you are in the kingdom, ask your children or ask your friend's children. They're the ones who know where your stance is in the kingdom. They don't care about PhDs. They don't care about accomplishments. They don't care about triathlons. All they want to know is, are you nice to me? Do you love me? Do you spend time with me? So let's hear Paul's call to the Corinthians to embrace the grace, the love, and the fellowship of God so that we may live out of the fundamentals of the faith. The conclusion to Paul's conversation with the Corinthians goes like this. He calls them back up. He says, I know I just rebuked you harshly and we may have to have more words, but please let's end on this note. The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ. The extravagant love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Heavenly Father, we ask for your spirit to come into our lives today and to remind us of the fundamentals of the faith, which are grace, love, and fellowship with you. We love you, God, and we need you. Please keep us grounded. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.